Welcome, everybody. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back. I am Connor Lestoka. Joining me, as always, is Mike Nelson, and we are reading Shadow Moon, the continuation of the Willow Saga. And I think I think it qualifies as a saga at this point in time, right? I mean, we're halfway through this book. He's been... Uh, uh, is he's... saga synonymous with slog? <laughs> then, uh, then yes. Yeah, I mean, you could have a saga where the, where the, the main character spends... The first uh, quarter of the book, a quarter of the first half of the book, in a dungeon, mm-hmm. imprisoned there, talking to rocks. Yeah, that's a having saga. Sort of a, uh, a Samuel Beckett-like discussion with a demon, sort of a uh, waiting for Godot kind of thing going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure, that's a saga. <laughs> if one of the guys in Godot was uh, was was rocks, yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of rocks. Uh, yeah, so. I think uh, it's 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 earned its place in the literary canon, and we are just a touch over halfway through. My God, <laughs> exactly the only possible response. It seems it seems like there was not a time before we started reading this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I once again I did it to myself, where I was certain that the end of the ch- the chapter was the end of my reading, mm-hmm. and it it was most certainly not. <laughs> And the uh, the commotion it caused, my wife running in from the other room. What has happened? It's okay. I just have to read more Willow. Yeah. You you rented your garments based on just <laughs> to the wrong chapter being not the end of your section? Wow. You're, you are literally beating your breast? I, I don't know. It's odd. Uh, well, we may not like it, but there are people out there who do. No. Yes. Hey, did we introduce ourselves or anything yet? I mean, I, I said, I, did. You yeah, did, yeah, yeah. I okay. think that was, uh, you know, I'm Connor Lestoka. I'm, I'm Michael J. Nelson. Yeah, and we have all the departments, and you are going to be doing uh, fanfic or real. It's always a treat, on. yes, to uh, prove I'm that I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm better than just throwing darts at a, at a dartboard blindfolded. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this person out there who gave Willow five stars. Ugh. Uh, Hitler. Review. Was it Hitler? Is he reviewing stuff? <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, this is E. Durfee. I think that's D U R F F F E E. Lots of intense action. Five stars. Uh, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed this book for the most part. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I know. choking I, on I don't, bile. Lots of intense action. Uh, there's been a. There's, they, they dressed a 13 year old girl. That was three pages. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I'll hear it out. I loved the movie Willow, so look forward to reading the sequels. Then describes taking the preteen children to see Willow. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, a monster. And then uh, it's kind of long, So, but that's it. Anyway, the uh, yeah, this... Wants to read the sequels Ugh. since I can I can't put them down. Oh no, I'm sorry. I can put them down when they get too intense. <laughs> That's the complaint. Too <laughs> exciting. <laughs> too much action, says wow. this person. Wow. Uh, so let's see. A person who gives five stars and says there's lots of intense action. Okay. To Shadow Moon. And who's using uh, a? It seems like a clear pseudonym to to disguise these terrible opinions. Durfee. Durfee, the uh, you know the the reviews look legit. Okay, they don't they don't look like a robot wrote them. Okay, and it was yeah. Then um, that text was clearly what would accompany a five star review. It wasn't this sucks, and it was they accidentally clicked five stars or whatever. No, no, it was yeah, it was a five star review. It was mostly positive words. 
Um, all right. And so knowing that they love Shadow Moon. Okay. Summer Savory, four ounces, adds subtle herb flavor. Uh, well, they have no taste, so that might be why they need uh, to add herbs, but I would say one star. Five stars. Glad oh. to find this. Stores <laughs> in the area no longer carry it. I have a couple recipes that are yummy that use it. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Um, now we are getting to a silicone spatula set, 12 pieces, nonstick kitchen utensils. Five stars uh, arrived quickly. Four stars. These were huge. <laughs> All right. So that's only they, four. They might be too huge. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, okay. These are AJ's Classic Triple Stripes Retro Thigh High Tube Socks. Oh, my God. The picture, like, if you can, of, it's like Farrah Fawcett roller skating yeah, or okay. something. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, well, I... One star, they didn't stay up. Uh, the, the elastic was was poor quality. Oh, come on. What would Willow say about that? <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> Keeps you warm, but get ready. Don't take a big swig of coffee. Okay. I bought these for my 99-year-old mother. <laughs> <laughs> who froze every summer when the AC was turned on. She so. really appreciated that. <laughs> So, so Nana is just wearing a uh, sexy thigh highs in this. I, I guess so. I, I don't know me. what goes on in Durfee's house, but uh, uh, and then the final one. Um, turn up. Turn. I mean, you know, turn. The AC is the problem here. You're you're putting a uh, you're putting a, a a patch on a leaky boat. Giant giant socks during AC season. I guess. <laughs> Uh, Elsha Cologne, of which I have never heard. Elsha Cologne. Oh, uh, one star. It smells like a, a cat peed on a durian. <laughs> one star. All right. But not the same as the Elsha from the 70s. <laughs> you can't so, go home again. And, uh, speculating in the, uh, in the review, maybe it has sat on a shelf for the past 45 years or something. Wow. So, yeah, they so, bought a vintage perfume and were disappointed that it didn't uh, smell like their memory. I guess so. So slapping on 70s cologne and wearing thigh highs with her 99-year-old grandmother. <laughs> so now I'm just imagining a, uh, you know, uh, some Adam Sandler has to, uh, he gets a good rate at an old folks home, but he has to, you know, disguise himself <laughs> yes. with uh, Elsha and wearing thigh highs. Um, Got to put the socks yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, that's a uh, that's a person I don't need to meet. Uh, I'll give you a bonus one: a uh, Fox Run garbage disposal safety screen. <laughs> uh, two stars did not prevent Nana from losing a finger when she went after a uh, a hunk of meat that accidentally went down the garbage disposal. You and Durfee thinking alike. Two stars. Wow, it, it broke. Won't be buying it again. It's not sturdy enough. How is that? Where does the extra star come from? Garbage disposal (laughs) screen so hard for does it uh, does not chop up human bones. I will say no more. (laughs) Oh wow! Did not get the socks down to go down. (laughs) uh, All right, so there we go. Yeah. uh, Well, on that note, I was going to save this for emails, but we do have uh, more word from people who who liked the book. Uh, Ah. It was this, this was an email from Colleen. She said, you wanted to hear from people who actually like this book. And while I don't fall into that category, 
It's pretty middle of the road for me. Not good at all, but I've read much worse. All right, Thin Ice, Colleen. I do have a Goodreads account, so here you go. She So she sent around some Goodreads ratings. Um, it says there there is a, an average of uh, 3.38 out of 5, and there are 403 five-star reviews. Where uh, is this? Goodreads. Oh, and Goodreads. Yes. There is? <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, 403 five-star as opposed to 163 one-star. But, uh, yeah, she just sent along some of the uh, some of the entertaining five-star reviews. Uh, so, this is the first one. Although slightly confusing at first, <laughs> the threads of the story intertwine in such an entertaining way. Stick with it if you can. For me, it was worth the complex few ch- first few chapters. However, if you're expecting Willow, the other returning characters to be the same as they were in the movie, don't. This is darker without a doubt. The characters have been through, all caps, some shit, trademark, and it has taken a toll on them. Yeah, so that's, yeah, they get get better. Jenna, five stars. No matter how many times I read this book. What? (laughs) I always enjoy it. I get totally engrossed by the story and characters and never want the book to end. Amazingly well crafted. Oh my! I, so that's someone who's yeah who's who's rereading the book. That's that doesn't even hold a candle to Vincent's five star review. I've read this trilogy many times. It is really a lost treasure. Very unique world building and approach to magic with memorable characters and a pretty mind bending storyline. I would rank this trilogy as one of the best fantasy sagas of the nineties. So he's I, I, I'm. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> a man who has who has spent hours of his life rereading this trilogy. Uh, this is the last one. Name redacted. I don't know if that's a joke or not, but five stars. A promising start to a trilogy of novels set after the events of the film Willow. This book has a decidedly darker feel than the movie. It was inventive, well-paced, <laughs> and, be- ah. and beautifully written. Sadly, subsequent novels were so cliched and haphazard, I gave up on the series. So, um, yeah, she adds, if this is not the cliched and haphazard book, I shudder to think what the rest are like. I, I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the party telling you, uh, <laughs> telling you that what you're seeing in front of your own eyes is not the, uh, is not the truth. Wow. Stunning. Two plus two equals five. Wow. That is, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I wrote towards the beginning or maybe it was just in an email to you that i'm now finding it pretty much technically unreadable yeah like it just into my brain it is it is word salad I, I don't know i can't follow anything at all right yeah i you know we had joked um you know or you know discussed i thought it was a legitimate thing in like a, or you know months ago that it would be fun to read a well-regarded book like ulysses and i think just you know the the amount of frustration that shadow moon is giving me uh, makes that a, a, an idea I do not want to pursue, pursue further because um, trying to wring meaning out of the uh, dumbass uh, Chris Claremont uh, text is, is, is one thing, but I think Ulysses would be even tougher. I, uh, I actually went to uh, do some research on Chris Claremont because of the, my frustration. You know how when you see someone uh, driving crazy and they're infuriating you, you somehow have to pull up next to them to go, who is this person? <laughs> right, yes. This is this is where I'm at at this point. Like what? what like what kind of a house does he live in? Where, where? <laughs> right. Dig up some dirt. Yeah. Who is this? Who could possibly be doing this? <laughs> um, and I didn't. You know, he's I guess well regarded, and 
Um, you know, wrote a lot of stuff, wins a lot of awards. Yeah. I, hmm. But, you know, I, and, and has people rereading this trilogy. So, um, and being on the edge of their seat as they do so. <laughs> My oh. God. Well, I suppose it's time, it's time for us to examine why they're all wrong. Um, yes. And uh, that, that, is, that starts with chapter seven of, uh, of this book. Um, I forget sort of where this had left off, but it was him deciding he was going to, or the demon asking him to save the child. That's where it sort of left off. Right. Okay. Yep. The child, uh, his who is Alora, right? We figured that out. No, I don't think we figured that out. I think we oh. we were confused there by was it. A, a woman hovering above the ground. I while believe he was talking about his child. I believe that's the child. What? The, but he said that Alora was his friend when he first got there. Yeah, I think that she was, you know, I. Uh, but I, you know, as we see, the the woman that he like revives with uh, magic CPR, I believe, is the child. Well, okay. I don't know what I don't know when she got corporeal. I don't know, um, you know, if, if the demon, you know, sort of gives birth, um, like asexually. So I don't know if there's a mother or I mean, hey, maybe the demon is a is a woman. I don't know. So, but oh, you ha- think there's budding going on here? Asexual reproduction? It, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not up on how it works for demons, but she seems to be a human has a have a human form, and everything we know is that he does not. Um, cause right. he, cause he talks right. in bold text so that we're, we're led to believe that that is just a, a, a voice from the ether. Right. And, uh, so chapter five opens with, or chapter, sorry, seven. I mis, mislabeled it seven. Yes. Uh, to do what was necessary required that Thorn bind himself to the demon in much the same way that Anna Carey had bound herself to him. Didn't we just spend a chapter doing this where he was <laughs> bound with the demon uh, and he, became the stone the floor. All, yeah. Yeah. The floor. Uh, is, yeah. How is this different? I don't, <laughs> we just did this. I, what, what, what I questioned about that was that he then says in the process, while his sorceress abilities expanded exponentially and yeah, we've seen his sorceress abilities like move mountains and, and resurrect the dead. I don't know what they're going to expand to. <laughs> Like double secret mega sorcerer. I guess he's just, you know, Sauron now or something. I don't know. Just... <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I, I really, I really, they, the, the beat has been hit. He's been, you know, he was in this, he was in this dungeon. He left, he came back and uh, yeah, everything we're about to see, he does not leave the dungeon until I think the final two pages of this 50 pages. So it's a very curious decision to sort of uh, coop this guy up and have these weird devices to just tell you what else is going on since clearly what's happening in the dungeon is not super interesting. And man, the paragraphs in this too, (laughs) when you're trying to figure out what's going on and you're looking ahead and like there's, I don't know if you can have your book there, but like the fourth paragraph is just a big, thick, fat paragraph, and it just go, God, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's, don't know what's going on, and I have to read through this. Yeah, it's Dwight David Thrashian, and then he adds in uh, a large percentage, like, you know, I would say, like, 33%, maybe, of this section took place in italics. Yes. Because when the demon is, uh, when the demon is, I guess, transporting him to witness these other things, those are all in italics, so that's hard to read, and then sometimes you get bold, and I don't know if we've had bold italics yet, but I, I have the feeling it's coming. Uh, oh, we get, uh, this is one of my favorite ongoing things, though, um, Memories in the fabric of the chamber's substance of more colors, more frames of being than he had names for. None of it was discernible straight on, of course. 
yes. I mean, we're all thinking, of course, yes. I mean, go ahead and mention it, but yes, we all knew that, of uh, course. Yes, I. Uh, there was another, of course, somewhere in this book that just reminded yes. me of the uh, of the ice cream bunny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's more stuff that he's unable to describe. Um, which we had certainly unable to describe it in any coherence. Of... <laughs> this was a, a a very similar one. He's so the demon is now you know he's building him with he's increasing his sorcerer's abilities, but it all is like you said seems like stuff that's happened before. But this said uh, for Thorn, it was as if he was suddenly immersed in a great ocean and able to observe all its myriad elements, currents great and small, moving through the deeps like rivers. This is all one sentence. Demarked not simply by force and direction, but temperature, each throwing off swirls and eddies that themselves formed strata in the water, the way a vein of minerals might within a mountain. So that is that is an, that is the author's efforts to convey to you what this feels like. And it is incoherent. It is essentially he's swimming, and then it has uh, you know four additional sentences within that sentence. And you don't find that fast paced. You're not on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah, it's I almost can't wait to find out what happens next. Too exciting at parts. I need to take a walk around the block, a cold shower. Uh, here's here's a part of it. I mean, this description of him melding with him goes on and on. And my God, I resented having to read it. But the, in the middle of it, this caught my eye. Certainly the cataclysm had been, though, Thorne had always doubted that that any demon capable of wreaking such havoc on a global scale wouldn't have stopped there. It would gleefully have shattered the entire world. <laughs> so this is a possibility at any time. There are demons out right. there who, right. if we don't stop them, will shatter our entire world. <laughs> right. Thorne didn't, he, he doubted that he would have stopped there. So he, so there are other demons, I assume. Right. So apparently this world is always right on the edge of being shattered by a demon. And, and yeah, and that, you know, they might have, they, maybe they should have saved the term cataclysm for when that comes to happen, if that's something they're living in fear of. Yeah, this is catac- small c cataclysm, but it's not, though. It is, it is, of course, uppercase cataclysm. But we don't get a sense of, you know, that this demon has any desire to do that, because for the most part, he's like... Seems like a pretty chill guy. <laughs> like he is cares yeah, about I'm his sure daughter. Looks... He's you know he seems to be helping out the uh, the good people here. He only eats you know the, the the people that are trying to murder or imprison or the death dogs. Yeah, I'm not really getting what's all that demony about and what separates the demons from just sort of a force. Well, you know, bold text is what mainly <laughs> my main takeaway. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of other beings, like the dragon, kind of shows up. This yeah, was... I didn't. This is. I don't know what is going on there. <laughs> the dragon from the beginning kind of shows up. I have his name somewhere else in my notes, but uh, we're led to believe that because uh, Thorne hears the sound of wings so vast that each sweep could be mistaken for the pulse of a hurricane. And I was not, I've never I've been lucky enough not to be trapped in a, in a hurricane, but did, uh, pulsing, is that, their, is that like what they do? Do they I, when, when newscasters are out, like you know, holding their their poncho hood on, like are they being like it's really pulsing out here, Tom? The the gusts are coming at hundred degree pulses at me. Like, seems like constant wind is more of the uh, what a hurricane really brings to the table. Uh, I guess uh, uh, it <laughs> but, hurts. <laughs> but a uh, they 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 the dragon I guess shows up um, 
but I, I'm not really sure what the takeaway is there. But that later on, there's an, there's an, uh, another dragon that is sort of at the ceremony, like the son of the dragon, um, which was also very hard to to figure out. Um, but he so the, the bonding continues, it, and once again, he uses a, a terrible ocean analogy. He says he found his spirit cast once more into the wild ocean that was the demon's power. Only now it had become a perpetual maelstrom that for his own strength and skill he was unable to master. He knew how to swim, but only as a man. He had no sense here of how to be a fish. And <laughs> and so was swept helplessly away to the top of Elora's airy. Now, I had a note here. I said, wait just a damn minute. We just had a description of his swimming abilities. Yes. Yeah, it was something about... Does this sentence just forget that he was just doing this analogy before about like being plucked from the waters by the, uh, by the eagles and... Right, yes. Uh, that was a, Yeah, so that was one before the one we just read. Um, yeah, where he was... They used him for practice fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and another one, he was, a, he was a clumsy frog. I think that was another one from last time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he had no sense of how to be a fish, even though we had just described him as a fish... <laughs> and we had talked about his swimming, and so I, I just don't get what's going on. Yeah, I was working on a whole Willow has a lot of sense how to be a fish fan theory, and then this uh, the statement of he had no sense of how to be a fish totally upends it. <laughs> it's it's maybe it's like uh, maybe it's like that dentist I had that one time where he was trying to numb me up, and his 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 uh, uh, secretary leaned into the door and said his friends were waiting for him at happy hour at Joe's Crab Shack. Uh, this could, this could be, this could be, uh, it was the worst dentist experience I've ever had, but this could be oh like Claremont's, uh, Claremont's, uh, office admin is like, yeah, Tom and, uh, Murph are the, the fishing trips about to start. And he's just banging away. Like maybe that was just on in the back of his mind. Right. <laughs> oh, did I do two fish descriptions? Well, too late. I mean, what, who cares? Right. He doesn't know how to fish. He doesn't. I just want to go out there and drink some beer in a canoe. I don't know. Um, Help me out here, anyone, anyone. Uh, the wizards and the high, the high priests come uh, you, for. Do you mean? The, I'm sorry. Do you mean the, the wizards? wizards? Okay. The wizards. Yes. <laughs> uh, they come for Alora, and they're all wearing masks. Hence their name. Yep. <laughs> what the holy read, hell is going on there? Read it. Read it. Read it one more time. So it's uh, yeah. I so just we, sort of let, condensed it all, but I don't but have yeah, the so, actual thing. But so it's the wizards. There are there are things called the wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the high priests of a religion that doesn't officially exist. And I just wrote, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it says she has no way of knowing for for sure beyond the obvious differences in their respective races. They are all masked, parentheses, hence their name. What? I, the, wi- the wizards? Yeah. So, you know, so wh- why do you call them wizards? Well, they all wear masks. Oh, okay. And is that a, a play on like the visage? I, is that because or, of the root of it, the root word or something? Isn't there like the Grand Vizier? Like, is that a is that a thing too? Like, uh, that's sure. A, um, but yeah, they're not called mass guards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was one that I just typed uh, the big F U. <laughs> oh, I think he, I've got one of those coming. <laughs> He looked to his dreams, and it was there. Looked to his imagination, and it was there. It was at the heart of laughter. It was the radiance that eased the shadow thrown by grief. Uh, F-, F you. Yeah. 
Oh, it's like a, a, one of Jewel's poems from the 90s. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, so anyway, the, the, the short story of the Vizards are is that, I guess, for every 12 years of her life, she's about to turn 13, they have had uh, people from each of the 12 realms come, and for one month of the year, uh, so each, each realm sells 12 people for one month, one of them dons a mask and is sort of her attendant. Um, so that's just a thing. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's going to be too important. Uh, but he had to become a floor demon slash dragon slash whatever to see that? or Yeah, I was unclear of whether he is still the floor at this point in time um, because he is observing all these things with assistance from the demon, which in the last section he did by becoming the floor. But okay. I, this, this might just be the demon's outsight. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it says he sharpened his insight. <laughs> For this, so I, I don't know. So he's swimming. He's a floor. Might or might not be dragon. Not a fish. Not a fish. Possibly a frog. <laughs> uh, just the yeah, just the uh, description. Yes. It's um. So yeah, he's he he observes uh, Anna Carey and Alora, uh, sort of back to back, and uh, there was a se- sentence where I sort of got the sense he was just he's just making it up. It says the more he used his talent capitals especially while he was coupled to the demon and seemingly to the dragon as well the wider and more deeply ranged his insight uh, so just as he's he's coupling he's using his talent he's also using his insight it's improving as he's merged to the demon and possibly a dragon right so is this um uh he's uh this is like uh what's his name in his, his suit um jacking into the Professor game, X. But then, he, oh, then he's going into a chat room, right? Oh, good. Wade, yes. Wade, uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. There, yeah, there was a chat link, chat link, chat room. All those different. Yeah, there's different ways to parse it. Okay, so the dragon is probably like a chat room, but the demon is more like jacked into the game. Yeah, and then there's the hollow, that thing where he was the the, the hologram of himself. Right, right. <laughs> uh, when you're when you're describing Anna Carey. Um, this common description. Anna Carey stands on the wraparound balcony of a room and stares up at Alora's airy, not bothering to mask the emotion that turns her cheeks ghost pale and her eyes the color of bloody sand. <laughs> we all have that at our uh, fingertips, right? Yeah. Boy, don't go on vacation with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's uh, because uh, Willow's spitting up his blood all over the place. I guess it's everywhere. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's been... Claw on his cheek. Didn't he spit blood into the rocks he was stacking too? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I like this detail. So Anna Carey, uh, she was mainly objecting to her father, asking her to be a wizard, which I would too. But then we then we learned that it was it was really only a month's commitment. So it's like he's not asking you to you know join the Israeli army or you know go to a, a Peace Corps journey for a couple years. It's like. Really, you know, just a month. Anyway, right? <laughs> but we got we got this sense of him, this this backstory that I I wish had been expanded on more. Uh, her father had slain men for less. He was a throwback to a harder age, which is fortuitous because these are bloody times. He fought a pitched battle on his wedding day and would have perished had his fiance not led her own troops from the altar to his rescue. It just struck me as you know a, a story that was worth devoting more than a sentence to, right? Like, that's know. the 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 action that had we 
switched to that and heard a story of people marching off the altar yeah. and fighting. <laughs> the minister that is seems just like action. Yeah. Looking at his watch, like, you know, <laughs> no, he'll show up. Like, fine. She drops the bouquet, picks up a sword. Like, right. <laughs> the bridesmaids who had just done the uh, coordinated dance down the aisle do like a uh, coordinated march off to battle. Uh, get a, each one has a mace and uh, pulls out from under her puffy pink dress. And, um, all right. This is where I threw in the towel. I, I officially threw it in here. I admit I have no idea what's going on. Okay. When the, the burger, <laughs> a burger within a public sitting room bites his thumbnail. The bluff Dakini, the same merchant, merchant Thorne saw earlier with the king's minister of state, spits it on a fire. Resonances of the deed and thoughts behind it, pulsing through the stones of the palace, blurring Thorne's focus like a splash of water across a window pane. <laughs> and then there's a dialogue of which I just like I I don't know I don't know what's happening. Uh, I, I give up. Yeah. Um... Has value, damn it. The Dakini says her being here, the sacred princess, serves a purpose. Probably said the same last place she lived counters his companion. <laughs> I, I I give up. I'm done. Yeah, I don't know who the burger is. He was not as he was not identified as such. Um, if he was the two people we saw talking about like trade routes and stuff in the last one, remember they were talking about tariffs. I think. How could I forget? <laughs> I know. I, it was you. You do have to catch your breath. Um, but I, I, w- I was curious. Like I, I didn't know what biting off his thumbnail. I mean, it could have been like a uh, a, a, a you know Tybalt biting his thumb moment that just it, it, he took it too far. I I when I saw biting my thumb, yeah, it's like that's the insult. Yeah, but I don't know what uh, biting it off <laughs> and then throwing it on a fire. That seems like a, a weird spell or something. Um, but they, they, they talk about, uh, they said, you know, the, your quote ended, probably said the same last place she lived, counters his companion, equally rich with drink, unable to sleep, unwilling to leave both men falling back on the traditional means of passing the time before tomorrow's ceremony. So is, is, is the traditional means of passing the time biting off your thumbnail and spitting it into the fire? That's that's world building, man. That's what they do. <laughs> and then also the, uh, the 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 water on the windshield is just another great underwater swimming analogy. He's 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 in the sea. There's eddies. Uh, he's not a he's not a fish, but maybe a frog. But he also has a windshield. Um, he's got a window pane. Window pane. Fair. Sorry. Okay. Yes, but also uh, veins of uh, minerals running through mountains. So um, you know when. When you mixed your metaphors back in creative writing, teachers always yelled at you like, yeah. you, you can't be in water and also be a stone or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, this one is just bananas. <laughs> or you might be assigned a, a, a valuable uh, best-selling fantasy trilogy with one of the uh, biggest <laughs> names in Hollywood. Uh, so keep mixing those metaphors, kids. Uh, but uh, yes. The dragon comes back, I guess. Yes. Uh, again, again, come the sound of wings. The glory manifests itself in the form of a human child. Yes, um, more more than boy, less than girl. Yeah, this gets this gets a little little weird. Um, more than boy, less than girl. Frame and age combined to confuse any onlooker as to which uh, wears clothes like a second skin that splinter the glow of hearthfire and candles as though the fabric is spun crystal. I marvel even to look upon, even as Thorn recognizes the child as the troubadour who'd spoken to him on the Esplanade. So, so that's the guy that that he was annoying, and Th- Thorn 
Willow like goes, "Hey man, I'm sorry that my friend is being such a jerk." Yeah, yeah, I guess so. His his name was Kieran Denier, and uh, you'll probably remember that name uh, from the uh, dragon who introduced himself as Callan Denier in the uh, beginning of the book. Did not make that connection, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, I guess, is a son of the dragon, other form of the dragon, who's presenting himself now as a as a uh, androgynous child for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> uh, th- and I'm, then I mentally checked out completely at this. At that same moment, insight shatter scattered his vision uh-huh. throughout the palace to show him whatever the demon saw. He stood his spirit at the woman's head. And I'm done. <laughs> I'm dusting my hands like a dealer at a craps table, and uh, I'm, I'm out of here. Right, yeah. Good I, luck with the book, everyone. Insight shatter scattering is a... Uh... <laughs> God. Um, yeah, it's it, it's very puzzling. He's also observing people, other people that we are, we are led to believe we should know that we don't, like Cherlindria. Yeah, I had no we have, idea. We have a woman uh, who is uh, who is like gay, wearing some lithe drown draped alluringly over her form. Settle down, uh, but she's saying, "I stand second among the assembly to Cherlindria herself. Do not be impertinent with me." Uh, I, I went to the Willow Wiki. Uh, Cherlindria, I guess, is something from the movie. She's the Lally Maiden of the Forest. Uh, her mate was the Stag Lord, uh, who ruled all the beasts in Cherlindria's groves. And you'll appreciate this because you, 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 we, we pick on George Lucas for his stupid names a lot. But this is insight into how they come about. Uh, the name of Cherlindria was taken from three people's names. Cheryl, the wife of director Ron Howard. Linda Ronstadt, a friend of George <laughs> Lucas. And Andrea, or Andrea, the wife of screenwriter Bob Dolman. So wow, yeah. So Cherlindry is based on uh, two guys' wives, and uh, George Lucas was horny for Linda Ronstadt, so she got tossed into the mix. Wow. All right. Well, let's uh, let's see. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yes. He was getting some pickles out, and he took him two turns to open up his Jar Jar. <laughs> yes. And then uh, the uh, Brinks truck was doing yep. a pickup of the cash. It drove by, but uh, something obscured the R, and he went, "Aha! Got it." <laughs> uh, all right. So. Here was another. Oh, you asked about the of course. Uh, this is about her bath. She goes okay. Oh, yes, bath. yes. That's what it was. It's nowhere near her rooms, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Why were you thinking her bath was near her rooms? Uh, I was just, my teeth were clenched. I was just like, this, I swear to God, if this room is anywhere near her other rooms, I am going <laughs> to. I, I didn't. What, what is that? What is that serving? The uh, of course. Boggles the mind. Bog, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but, but the, it describes her bath. Yeah. And I thought, uh, no comment about how much water she's displacing with her plumpness, huh? <laughs> yeah. I liked when she says he, he, when he, he observes her waking like a cat. And I was like, well, I mean, to, to be fair, a, a pig cat uh, <laughs> is at this point in time. But then she's streaking through the water like a fish. <laughs> so we get more fish and more water. It's um, truly incredible that he he spent enough time introducing a weird, furry, man-seal species, uh, and then every time he needs to describe something swimming, uh, he just says a fish. <laughs> you know, he yeah. spent a, you know, a couple pages on words, and then it's like, eh, but whatever, fish. <laughs> yeah, these otter people who actually live under the water. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, this this was good. It says, uh, they, they, yeah, so there's a lot of time devoted to people. I don't, I don't recall if they were the Vizards or not who are preparing uh, Alora Danum for the uh, for the ceremony. There is an attendant for each of her hands and feet, shaping the nails, filing them smooth, decorating them with paint. When they are done, others take their place to apply her cosmetics. And man, does she need a lot of that because, <laughs> oh, I, you know... <laughs> We did not dwell on it, but her skin too. Her is just you know bad news, just cratered and. <laughs> um, we tried to uh, you know sort of use a scotch tape to uh, tape her pig nose down a little bit, but it's uh, <laughs> you, just you know it is what it is. Yeah, it sounds like one of those door jams that boing when it pops back up. Uh, they, they they don't even just focus on that. It says there are twelve elements to Alora's ground. I'm picking up on some very clumsy symbolism uh, num- numerology here. Uh, 12 elements to her gown, brought out and laid before her with due ceremony, stockings first with garters to hold them in place about her thighs. So those probably received five stars from, uh, uh, was it Duthfree? Dirty? Dirty. Garters to hold them in place about her thighs, and then her shoes followed by a wrap of gossamer silk to serve as undergarment. So if you were hoping for the 13-year-old girl's undergarments to be described in uh, alluring detail, your wish has come true, so settle down. Uh, a pile of words about clothing. I mean, this just goes on and on. Ugh. But uh, there was uh, finally there was something I could identify with after all this floor dragon bullshit. Uh, Alora wonders if the whole point of the day is to kill her. Bad <laughs> enough to wear new shoes. These arch her feet to a degree that she's never found comfortable, and she's had them on for what seems like an eternity. I mean, that's that's you or I going to a wedding, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, Oh God! Anytime really? I put on a tie, yeah, yeah. Ugh, God, <laughs> what, this collar. I don't remember this collar being this tight, this sweaty. <laughs> right, Lauren is tying the tie for me, and I'm still complaining about it. And what was the? Uh, I think this was a past sentence. He placed his right hand on her temple, the other over her left breast, as gently as if he was her lover, and leaned forward to touch his lips to hers. He blew a puff of air into her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the magic CPR I was talking about. This is for the demon's child, who I believe it's revealed is is nude the whole time. This is the one with the uh, the close cut hair and the right who's floating. Uh, I think she's floating, but I think then she's on the ground. I mean, I, so I don't think he's giving CPR in the air. Okay, okay, but yeah, he's he's groping her and uh, smooching her. Uh, the demon is just sort of sitting back and being like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but is this happening contiguously with the descriptions of what's going on with the sacred princess? Well, I was confused by that, and it seemed like the demon was confused by that as well. It says, uh, then another thought given voice with surprising force and focus. You see everything within the palace walls, am I right? You are the palace walls? The demon says, so. Uh, Thorin says, can you find me the one they call the Magus? Huh? Uh, Alora's protector. <laughs> and then the demon says, other than yourself, little mage. So even the demon is confused by this nonsense. He doesn't know who's who, doesn't know what he can see or where. So I, I have no idea if this is all happening at the same time or if he's taking breaks from observing people or if it's all just happening, you know, at the same time, like Dr. Manhattan. It's puzzling. Yeah. It's all just a pile of words to me. Um, uh, here's one of their best jokes, though. Uh, <laughs> says Anakiri, don't call me that. I've told you a thousand times. Highness will do. It's an old joke between them. He has permission to call her by name. Properties be damned, though he never does. That is a... I I get that one. Yeah. And, uh, I yeah mean, that's, 
the brownies sort of nod respectfully at that one. They're like, <laughs> yeah, yep, you've bested our wits, sir. And it's an old one. That's how good it is that it's, you know, that's something to be kept around. <laughs> Don't call me that. I've told you that a thousand times. I mean, it's funny. It's funny. We're all laughing, but come on. <laughs> Um, while they're, uh, while they're off having a laugh, that's, that's her and her, was it Trombley or something? He had some funny name, Jombry. Mm-hmm. Jom- J- Jalabi? Is it Jalabi? Or so she's it- having a laugh with Jalopy. Um, they, uh, they are still dressing the girl and, uh, and, and Clucas is, is getting in really, really deep with these details. Really deep. <laughs> she has no breasts to speak of. She's still far more girl than woman, but the corset gives her the illusion of them. Over that goes an undergown that hugs what passes for her figure all the way to her ankles, effectively hobbling her. So, I, like, uh, if you're if you're doing like a you know toddlers and Tierra's beauty pageant, don't ask either of these guys to 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 be a celebrity judge. Would be my advice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I uh, I just had uh, just a big question mark around that one. Uh, am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, where is this going? What is right. this? What is the point? Like, I didn't assume that the twelve-year-old was going to have much of either of those. So, like, uh, I also didn't didn't care to uh, to really be thinking about it. So, yeah. And at one moment, he's she's a pig and just this vile, <laughs> and then she's darting through the water or swimming through the water like a elegant fish. And <laughs> so, not really understanding. Um, Whose is this? This is a. I won't read the whole paragraph, but it is a giant paragraph. Hers is a less overtly martial presentation. Cotton and fine wool, but no leather save for gloves and boots. Her trousers are snug to her ankles, with a stirrup hooked over the arch of her boot to keep their line taut. She normally wears white, not so today. Her uniform is a rich royal blue, and I'm not kidding. More like more deep words. water ocean than sky, with a broad scarlet stripe. Yeah, I took the whole thing. Insane. The tunic covers her hips and fits as snugly. Uh, Stand-up collar, horizontal lines set at intervals. It's amazing. Uh, We're not done with her collar. On her collar, in (laughs) case you were wondering. (laughs) So that's, yeah, I think that's Anna Carey's outfit, which is uh, presented uh, for some reason in as much detail as a uh, feast was in the previous section. Who's who's that for? I don't know. I, I don't Durhi, know. Durhi, I guess. I don't know. Fan art, like yeah, it's. Uh, Her it, socks were of a retro style with three stripes on them, and thigh high. <laughs> During the air conditioned months, Anna Carey wore them. I suppose it could just be like if you're, uh, you know, if you're going to Comic Con and trying to uh, pick the one character no one's ever dressed as before. This could be uh, your detailed guide to doing that. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Yeah. Well, we get some 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 backstory. It seems like Anna Carey and Captain Modry, uh, who's also the the Castellan, were they 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 were banging at some point in time, but they, they she says they've that was in the past. Um, yeah. Don't call me pet again. I feel like you're casting a change spell. <laughs> was how she chastised him. I I didn't. My wife and I constantly do. Don't call me pet. Right. Didn't she say that? Spelling. Did she say that only her brother was allowed to call her pet? Her deceased brother? I don't know. It was something like that. Her brother had some weird, some weird nickname for her that only he was allowed to call her. It must have been that. Um. Yeah. Uh, we get we get more we get more humor. So uh, yeah. Again, do not take a sip. Willow is talking to himself. He's like, "What?" He's. Ta- I think he's talking about Alora. What will she say when she sees me again? 
demons are cast out of human hosts, not the other way around. Uh, and then he's talking to himself. Can't be any worse than what she's said and done already. Am I right? <laughs> as, an, as an attempt at humor, it wasn't much. Certainly not in the Brownies League, but he decided to let that pass. Um, I, I guess that's true. It's not a much of an attempted humor just to say, uh, uh, am I right? But uh, it, it, it does seem sort of on par with what we've seen the Brownies saying so far. Yeah, I, he's trying to damn it with faint praise, but it's, you know, yeah, it's pretty much right in the wheelhouse. <laughs> I think the Brownies would appreciate it. Um, I, I was thinking of, uh, when, after I read this paragraph, of just stopping this podcast and uh, talk about what it was like to work at a cheese factory 12 hours a night. <laughs> as, uh, there was sweat on his face, but he couldn't break contact with either hand to wipe it off. He wanted to sleep and remembered a day, an age past, a lifetime gone, spent hefting bags of seed corn to his barn. <laughs> Each had been as big as he and weighed more. The only way to carry them was to bend his body double and use the back as a barrow. He didn't hurt while he was working. He simply got more and more tired. And on and on it goes. Describing uh, basic work to yes, us. For. Right. Yeah. Wanting it to be done, but it not being done is... Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a concept we need to turn to fantasy novels to understand. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, we get some we get some more delightful looks at his home life uh, in the in the in the chapter coming up, but I think that this is a uh, at some point in time he starts transforming, but it's 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 described very poorly. But it seems like he may maybe craps himself again. There's a smell that makes him gag. He has no name for it, save that it was awful. Um, he'd been a farmer. He knew the stench of nature. He'd been a warrior, albeit reluctantly, and knew the same of battlefields. He'd looked upon the face of evil. At the time, he'd thought ultimate evil and gotten a taste of that foulness as well. No comparison. This was far worse. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's not him crapping himself, but it, it is unexplained. Um, and does that uh, continue on with there was a sour stench of burning that left a metallic tinge on the back of his tongue? The yeah. harbinger of a lightning bolt, his mouth was dry, but licking his lips brought no relief. His tongue was as raspy as sandpaper, and every part of it, him rapidly grew bloated and swollen. <laughs> and he, he did not add, as fat as that pig Alora. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's transforming, I guess, the, in a good way from the demon. Um, it, but it, it, what his insight is seeing makes him want to howl like one demented. His skin was boiling off his bones, great pustules <laughs> bursting forth like gas bubbling from a tar pit, spreading the foulness over him. Nothing was anchored anymore. He felt organs slide within him as his own flesh sloughed off his bones. And then the bones themselves began to putrefy. Yeah, rot in his mouth, etc. <sighs> and and I, this is the point I stopped. I'm like, this is 90% of this book is just descriptions of weird, impenetrable descriptions of him being someone else and seeing... Yeah. So, like, nothing is happening. It's just... It's this mad journey through, like, a madman's mind, and he's going from one thing to the next, and it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, like, so imagine just, you know, any given book you've ever read, any given fiction book, if the main character had his, you know, uh, skin boiled off his bones and his organs slough off his flesh, uh, that would be, like, a pretty major plot point. Um, but this is sort of inconsequential. Um, to the point where, yeah, you just sort of, my, my eyes glaze over and it's like, all right, well, what's going to happen next? Like, just, you know, yeah, yeah, we get it. Like, this this tends to happen every 20 pages or so. Yeah, I mean, just three pages ago, he was, uh, you know, a mountain and 
streams of, of minerals through him. And now he's not a fish like, though. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing is what it is. So you read it and go, okay, okay, get past this. I don't, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Um, Thorn tasted blood, not his own coating the stone <laughs> seeping through the cracks and spaces between the massively hewn blocks. So many men so quickly done to death, night herons tearing at flesh as easily as they feasted on souls. There was joy in him, a hunger for more. Willow. <laughs> and his reaction to that? Something's wrong, he thought. <laughs> it's like, oh, do you think as the, uh, as the night herons are tearing on flesh and feasting on souls and men are being done quickly to, like, oh, yeah, I'm picking up on something here. <laughs> I've got a bad <laughs> feeling about this. Say, wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah, all seeming of, in- I think it's just a, a, I think that is, it's a bad feeling. So I don't know if anything of this is actually happening, but he, he is, uh, he's observing the uh, sort of, uh, vibe of the ceremony and detecting something's wrong. He detects a minor glamour in the air, uh, and there's a there's this weird sort of shimmer that uh, everyone seems not to be noticing, but he's picking up on, I guess, with the aid of the demon and with his uh, organs being boiled. Uh, <laughs> new enchantments casting resonances off of powers long dormant. God, yeah, Go that's to hell. Yeah, that's what uh, you know when people were. You know, making fun of people playing Dungeons and Dragons in the uh, in the early '80s. That's this, this is the sort of thing that made that entirely justified. Oh, but if that weren't enough, then we uh, we had the two paragraph clothing description. Um, there's a uh, a room description here, um, which I want uh, I want us to just uh, pretend you're trying to rent a room uh, for a bachelor party at a bar. Okay. And uh and uh so I'm answering the phone. Uh yeah, Al's place. Yeah, I've got a group of 12 guys that are going to come in. We just wanted to know if we could have hang, like hang on. Yeah, no. By the stairs. Put it by the stairs. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I got a group of 12 guys coming in on Saturday night. Probably get there at like 8:30. We just wanted to know uh if there's like a way we can just sort of like maybe get a flat fee for the bar and like just have uh, some and, uh, appetizers the bar, out. bar stays open. There's a uh, uh there's a room in but Harry is the room open on uh, what what day? Uh, Saturday night, eight thirty. Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, we'll, a back room would be great. Um, yeah, just you to, have the back room. Yeah, so we can, we'll come in there. We'll have a, uh, a group of twelve, and yeah, okay. is there any way we can get like you know just you know pizza rolls or like bar nuts out just so we you know have some have some food because we're gonna be drinking uh, a lot that day. Yeah, we got the the pizza oven. Uh, we can get you something there. Uh, okay. uh, let well, me great. tell you, I think that sounds great. Is there a deposit we need to? Uh, well, let me tell you if the, the see if I'll describe you see if this works for you. Say twelve guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. probably the won't room be any is more a symmetrical that. oval, two aisles bisecting length and width, forming a circle where they meet. Interlaced well, around the chamber circum- circumference are the great seals of the domains. Okay. I'm assuming that's going to work for you. The pattern well, yeah, well, is repeated along the border of the circle, with Alora's own as the centerpiece. Well, Between each I mean, set of seals is a section of seats. Well, do you have uh, a juicy IPA on tap that's for the, the respective room's domain? Three for each of the four quarters. The walls, you want to know about the walls, I assume, describe I don't, the same I... arc reaching up towards the ceiling as they do from side to side, thereby preserving the room's form do you have throughout every fireball? physical dimension. I mean, that's probably more important, really, than what we... You know, I'm, I'm going to go to Hooters, actually. <laughs> God. God. Yep, Just... right in the middle of all this other stuff. He, oh, I've, I, every... Single detail of a room is described. <laughs> ponderous, man. Just so ponderous. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Yeah, well, it so you get the room descriptions and as things are happening to him, his his soul is being rended. Right? I mean, I, a pain lanced up from deep within as if some greater power had taken hold and snapped him in two as he might the wishbone of a turkey. <laughs> this guy has been talk about being done to death. I mean, he's uh, he says mouth has been shattered. He's been crushed under stones. His yeah. uh, blood is torn. His cheeks torn off. The walls were blood. The air was blood. He was blood, washing it, alive in it. Among him were scattered the shards of his soul, but he could longer, no longer tell which were his and which were the demons. Um, and then the third spasm broke his consciousness as he had himself smashed his soul. He was no more than the idea of life, the concept of being not I think, therefore I am, or even I am, no I at all, but simply am. Go to hell. <laughs> Go to I mean, hell with your... Yeah, I know. He started this garbage at an 11, and yes, he's trying exactly. to up it. It's like, you've already described him being torn to every molecule who's been <laughs> shattered like a hundred times. Yeah, it's yeah. You, you really need to save that for some sort of climax. Otherwise, I don't know what's going to be happening by the end, but, you know, unless it involves, you know extreme genital torture it's going to be hard to get a rise out of me <laughs> <laughs> um a curious thing the fairies are described yeah the fairies average the size of a human finger their queen dwarfs them by comparison though she stands smaller than a dakini child okay cherylindra's hair is gossamer gold so um so a little smaller than brownies like what are we talking yeah, uh, yeah. Human I mean, finger. a human finger. And so yeah. brownies are maybe a human finger and a half. Yeah, probably like an a, your standard action figure, like a GI Joe. I would guess. Okay, and then their <laughs> their queen is is just like a hobbit. Uh, yeah, which you know, if you it bears out, you know, in in Zelda, you get a, a normal fairy, and then you go to the great fairy, who's you is usually a uh, a more much more substantial lady. I'm trying to think if there's any. Are there any animals where, you know, like a female is tiny and then the male is like seven feet tall? Or like <laughs> I mean, you know, you get that with like baboons and stuff where there's just like, you know, they've got all these different features, you know, orangutans. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, there was also this about Cherlindria. Every aspect of her seems to float as though she moves through water, her gown layer upon diaphanous layer creating the sense of what lies beneath without revealing a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our two uh our two uh horny authors just sitting there trying to trying to fit in wherever they can. Um I guess that happens in Star Wars. Uh, not occasionally. You get uh, Slave Leia, you got that time in uh in uh the prequels where like Natalie Portman just like a monster rips at her clothing and it just oh, pretty right. much like you know tears off her midriff like that perfect rip of the yeah. midriff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the chapter ends with a, a twist and finally a little bit of reveal, but it says, uh, when the room quiets and eyes grow once more accustomed to the less dramatic illumination of the candle glow, Thorin beholds Willow Ufgood standing in the doorway. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> so finally we get a, a little bit of sense of what might be going on with these dual magi, all this nonsense. So there is a. Uh, I think we. I think we called it uh, an episode or two ago. Like, is there just a uh, a fake one of him that's been uh, you know taking his place somehow? So that appears to be what the case is. Well, they could not have made that more foggy in the way they presented <laughs> yeah. it. Or Seems taken like a their... pretty straightforward. Uh, wait a minute, there is a guy. You know, they, right? They, they made it so obscure. Uh, yeah, they just really did the dance around it. Uh, well, more on that later. We'll uh, throw you in the dungeon for now, but. 
Right. God. Um, before we start, is that it for uh, that chapter for That's you? That's it for me, yeah. Why don't we do, uh, why don't we put you in the dock with a little I'm ready. Uh, real or fanfic, eh? I'll rend my soul and settle into the hot seat. And now I bet they bitching cause my flow switching, trying to tell me what to write. I bought some fanfiction, can't they just be happy? I no longer have to face eviction that I'm living on my life, I'm living on my Well, 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 well. Mm. Connor, how do you feel? I'm confident. Um, you know, there haven't been a lot of... Uh, you know, no, no stunning successes in this this round, but I uh, I think I'm going to be able to uh, see through some of these because I read them so often. I, I learn what these people are trying to do and and what they're good at, what they're not good at. So, sure. I mean, you've read and reread Shadow Moon, and you can't wait to read the rest of the trilogy. Sure. Yeah. If they just if they try to pull a fast one, putting in something from the third book in the trilogy, I'm well well ahead of you. So, all right. Well, we have five submissions. Okay. Okay, and once again, for those, the uninitiated, these could either all be real, uh, or they could be fanfic, or it could be a mix of the two. It is Connor's job to sniff them out and identify which is real. Our uh, people on Patreon have uh, written these in and uh, are attempting to fool him, so uh, <laughs> we'll see how they do. Yeah. Here we go. Here's number one. They had descended to the cave that the Wern had gestured to, a narrow passage barely visible below the surface of the murky water churned by the tempest, all possibly sopping wet, all impossibly sopping wet and battered by the journey through the surf. Perhaps here they might have a respite from the storm. The last to arrive, Thorne noted that everyone was silent, shuffling, dripping in the surprisingly dry and warm chamber. The quiet Thorne thought at first thought at first was concerned for Morag, who still clung to life, but looking around, he saw the room opposite filled with wern of all shapes and sizes, all shades of chestnut brown to burnt umber fur, all staring back at them. One in particular, more wide than any he'd seen and somewhat bottom-heavy, stepped out from the throng and cooed in the wern dialect, a gesture of welcome and soothing sibilance at once raising its appeal and grace. My mother, murmured Rin. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, uh, wide-bottomed worms. Mm-hmm. They make the rockin' world go round. I think that's fanfic. I think that's a. Uh, I think the mother might be a bridge too far. I, I'm not sure if the worms are coming back into this tale. Okay, fanfic. All right, number two. We know you, deceiver. She heard issue from Thorn's mouth, but it was nothing that approached human speech. She thought of rocks the size of continents grinding together to shape raw sound into words and felt the faintest itch at the back of her own throat as a resonance of the power that gripped Thorn prompted her to speak as well. And you have marked us, so shall we you. In the blink of an eye, the stone around them was transformed, the whole heart of the mountain changing state from solid to liquid as though some monstrous grate had been removed to allow the fire at the heart of the world to claim this new territory." Monstrous great is quite a, a turn of phrase. I say real. Okay. Uh, number three. Thorn was hovering from a great distance above and able to see everything laid out like a favorite picnic spread. He could see the rim of far- <laughs> Farmer Bugan's estate where he and his friends would steal apples as boys. He saw the curve of the stream where his children had found baby Alora so many years ago and sent shockwaves through his life. And there... Just out of the corner of his right eye was the little copse where he and Kaya had had their first awkward fumble when barely out of childhood. All right. Why are you showing me this, Thorn demanded. He'd meant to make it a cutting remark, but it only betrayed his weariness. I'm offering you a second chance, the deceiver's voice responded. This is the life you always wanted, Willow Ulfgood. 
Yours was not to make queens or shape the destinies of worlds. Give me Alora Dannon, and I will give you back your home that was so cruelly taken from you. Wow. Well, I, I thought the uh, the sex was was a sure sign of fanfic, but I that's sort of the theme of the uh, early part of this book is leaving behind that pastoral innocence, and so he wants it back. I'm gonna say fanfic still. <laughs> Farmer Boogan, come on. His ins- All right, this is number four. four. His insight allowed him to see the wizards the demon described attend Alora, tying first her hands, then her feet, finally strapping her head down to the ceremonial perch. Her mouth is gagging and her eyes covered. She is deaf, dumb, and blind to everything going on around her. They stride past her, touching, poking, pinching any part of her they can reach, causing pain. He sees her as if in a dream, trying to wail, to thrash, scream at them to stop. A lock of hair is snipped off and the pain of its loss robs him of breath. The king oversees all from his throne. The girl will fulfill her purpose voluntarily or by force. Man, well, we sort of have seen the ritual already interrupted, right? So I'm going to say fanfic. All right. Uh, Last one. To the ear, Dornhall's death throw sounded like a game of bowls with balls the size of mountains. To the eye, it was the great glowing cauldron of raw fire as the elemental heart of the world fountained into the sky. The peak itself had collapsed in the night to form a monstrous caldera, easily a mile across, canted upland from Duatha headland and the King's (laughs) Gate, and frozen Anguin beyond, and lava poured from the summit to complete the destruction of Chalindra's forest begun by the fire drakes. The molten rock filled in the serrated rills and spread mostly to the side as though to form a wall. Fire drakes? Fire drakes. Uh, Caldera, Dornhall. I I think real. I mean, how else are you going to get fire drakes? Um, All right. All right. You want the score? Yeah. Five for five, baby. Wow. (laughs) Nice. All right. Holy cow. Wow. So that Farmer is my first effort. Yeah, wow. All right. Farmer Boogan was fanfic? Farmer Boogan was fanfic. Uh, let's see. The first one was... The Wern Cave the Wern and the Wern's mother. mother. That's, that's Patrick <laughs> Kelly. That one was good. <laughs> the second one with the Deceiver, a stone transforming. That was real. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that's that has that had its, its roots in uh, other stuff we've read. I... I a little reluctantly took Khan's fiction of the uh, the first awkward fumble when barely out of shuttle. <laughs> but I thought, given what we've seen, it might uh, it might go. No, I mean the the theme of that, well, like you know, the deceiver trying to put him back to the way things had been. It's sort of uh, Christmas Carol-y. It's That was a nice touch. Uh, Lisa Cruz did the the wizards attending and poking and pinching. Um, okay. Which you, which you discounted because we kind of already seen some of that. Yeah, that was the only reason otherwise. And of course, the fire drakes and the calderas and the <laughs> Duatha headland. That's that's as real as can get. Oh my God. So we have so. fire drakes like ducks? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what what are the evil, uh, the, the birds that tear you apart? What Night herons. Night herons. So yeah, fire drakes. And you know who makes devil dogs? Drake's uh, Bakery. It's all coming together. <laughs> Poor there man's hostess. Wow. All right. well, well done, well everybody. Done. Well, Thank you. Feel proud. Feel very proud. <laughs> uh, chapter, oh God. Chapter go. eight. It's the, it's the last chapter of this, but it's, it goes on for a while. Um, but it starts off with a pretty, uh, a pretty big bang, I think, uh, because we finally get the tables turned on our, uh, on our negging hero. 
Mm-hmm. Wizard is w- w- Thorne has constantly just been like I've seen hotter, like even if it's about a thirteen year old girl. But uh, the false Willow who shows up, it says through the demon's eyes, Thorne beheld the most magnificent lie. The fig- figure is tall in a way Willow has never been, and handsome in a way Willow never dreamed of being. Yeah, I I wrote Willow has finally found someone he likes, and it's yeah. Willow. <laughs> His tunic is cut to emphasize this sweep of his powerful chest, while equally snug-fitting trousers do the same for shapely legs. (laughs) His boots echo the curve of his calf. (laughs) One more dynamic element in an ensemble already pushing the outer edges of fashion. (laughs) It is pretty incredible. Yeah, wow, he is digging Willow. Uh, The false willow is too splendid a glory for any living being, mortal or otherwise, to resist. Okay, you're pushing it a little far now, but like, (laughs) (laughs) man. Yeah, Mm, he likes some willow. But uh, I think at this point, the authors realized they had dug themselves into a hole with confusing, you know, because... Thorn is Willow, but then you have a Willow who they're referring to as Willow. So they decide what better way to make this less confusing than let's throw a third name into the mix. It says Willow refuses to think of the Thorn refuses to think of the imposter as Willow, deciding in that instant that Deceiver is the name he'll use from then on. Um, So they just I think they just did that purely to uh, try to make things more easier for the reader, but uh, making it more confusing in the process. Well, yeah, I uh, I went on to Patreon and asked for the, the help of the Patreon folks just throwing all the names that I was like, now who's this? Uh-huh. And most people were as confused as I, but I think someone sorted it out. And I think the, there's one guy who's got four names, um, and I'm, I'm not sure who that is, but check it out on Patreon. But okay. yeah, this just continues in that, uh, in that mode of... Oh, come on, man. Just give <laughs> someone a name. <laughs> right. Yes. Um but like it does seem like uh, he he is cast a glamour so that people only see what they want to see. So even though he's taller and hotter, people are just like being like, "Oh, sure, that looks like uh, what Willow used to look like." Even I mean, taller is like that's you know the the, the defining characteristic of the Nelwyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, they're not tall. So uh, here's something that uh, did did you remember this? Earlier, the the vision no. Then vision blurred. Thorn's sense of the chamber high above slipped away, and he scrabbled desperately for purchase as both inner and outer reality frayed faster than the threads of that napkin that the Aldwin had showed him so long ago. <laughs> remember when that napkin he showed? That was unforgettable. Right. Who uh, doesn't remember the time he showed him a napkin? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea what that's talking about? I, I mean, it was when the Nelwyn was like, you know, wizard or farmer. I forget what the point he was making with the napkin, but it was something about threads fraying, maybe. I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, it, 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 he, it says he's like, there's more, you know, descriptions of agony and gurgling and he's growing wings and his bones are cr- cracking. cracking his body again. <laughs> it really does. Uh, it do, does. uh it's like playing a game with a kid where you're, you know, you're, you're enthusiastic about it the first, you know, couple times. And then, you know, they come back in an hour and you're like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a hippopotamus anymore. Like <laughs> I've, I've lost whatever enthusiasm might've remained for this. So please just st- stop having bones breaking and souls rending. Well, look, we need a break from all of that. We've had so much, there's so much dark imagery of uh-huh. blood and all of this. And yeah. Hey, how about a miscarriage? <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't on my bingo card. I will I will give them credit there. And if, if this had been a uh, if we had found this for real or fanfic, I would I would have said fanfic one hundred percent. Yep, this is a uh, the book across the room moment. Uh, just grim and horrible and just sad for no. <laughs> what, what is the point? <laughs> he had two children of his own. There should have been a third, but times were hard, and his wife fell ill. Um, so yeah, it describes her as like having some sort of veil of sickness on her and he's, you know, sitting, sitting by her bedside, like trying to, you know, get her to eat something, anything. Um, and, uh, but it's, it's handled with the sort of sensitivity you would expect from the two authors who, um, you know, it's called the 13 year old girl, a pig. Sure. Funny to, funny to mention that description. <laughs> uh, so they, they essentially they're having wizards come and try to take care of this, but it, it's not going to happen. Um, and the child just doesn't really have a shot. It says a child. So wee and helpless a bit hands outstretched to both of them, not the baby as it was for it wasn't even halfway through its term, but the Nelwyn it might've been and Thorin felt its grip at first. So ferociously tight slacken on his figures fingers. He closed his own fan and felt Kaya do the same. But they'd have done better trying to tackle a greased pig. <laughs> so, so that's the description of they are. They have that one moment of you know touching their their newborn but doomed infant's uh, hand. But then a a greased pig analogy is how they opt to describe it. Uh, shuffling away, never to be. <laughs> oh, fish, pigs, frogs, water, blood. Uh, but we're quickly out of that and we're back into like foulness and well, before we, before we leave, <laughs> have you, I want to, I want to grill you on something live on the air. Okay. Um, I, I know the answer, but, uh, are you familiar with the comic strip loss.jpg? It's a sort of a meme from a decade ago. No. So this is a, a guy did a web comic called control alt delete. Um, and so imagine what a, what a, your, the first web comics looked like. They were all about two guys like sitting on a couch playing video games and, mm-hmm. you know, making jokes about noobs, uh, that sort of thing. Just, you know, sure. whatever, whatever Comic-Con was like when we were going to it a decade ago. And then, so one day he decided, I'm going to, I am you this, he decided to make this his web comic. Okay. This is happening just, live. Just, yeah. Look, take, take a look. Okay. <laughs> so... Ah. So, <laughs> so it's a guy he bursts in the door of the hospital a uh and a, a secretary or tells him where to go he's talking to a doctor who is a grim face and then he walks in and his wife is uh sitting there holding her stomach and weeping <laughs> oh my gosh so that was it was roundly mocked uh, and parodied um so because obviously this this idiot uh you know, misread his audience and misread what the mission of his comic was, but uh, seems uh, seems very appropriate for this uh, wedged in scene into uh, Shadow Moon. Ah, uh, that that took a turn. <laughs> so, if anyone out there is uh, is up to the photoshopping of the own uh, of uh, Shadow Moon themed Lost comic, um, <laughs> we will be uh, re- retweeting those as they come in. <laughs> All right. So, I don't know what that. I guess it's just to. Uh add to the sense that this is a haunted hunted man i um, i i guess so and but i sort of was like did, did george just like com- completely like misinterpret like what the mission of this book was and so i went looking um for theories about this uh sure. dark web fired up the tor browser 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are there are actual records of the communication between these two guys, Lucas and Claremont, before the book started. Whoa. What, mm-hmm. somebody like hack a phone or something? Or a- yeah, I think they were sort of wiretapping. I mean, Lucas has been a, a prominent guy for four decades now, so people are doing whatever they can to gain these insights, even sure. if it's um, unethical, illegal. Um, but this is the weird thing, is that we all we all sort of get the sense that Lucas is sort of removed um, from the experience of, you know, his fans. He's not a common person anymore. Um, no, there's too many decades of, yeah. Right. Whatever insight he had as a film student at USC uh, into the human condition, it's it's been warped. Turns out he, like, actually has, a like, a condition where he doesn't even, like, hear the words people are saying to him. He really? just has his, he has his own filter where he is sort of, you know... Um, just interprets the way the way of the world differently than everybody else. Um, sure, sure. I guess when you're yeah, you're that insulated. Yeah, you yeah. Um, so so what these people have they have a the a hacked phone conversation between uh, Claremont and Lucas, um, but then they have uh, a recreation of how Lucas interpreted that conversation, like how he wow. was hearing it the whole time. Yeah, so it's it's illuminating to say the least. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm intrigued. Okay. So first, let's take a listen to um, how the conversation actually went. George Lucas, it's an honor to meet you. I can't believe we're going to create a whole fantasy world together. Hey, I've done it with movies and figured, why not a book? But look, I work in comics. Do you have an artist who can help my vision come alive on the page? I know just the guy. Great. I really think this book has potential. I mean... 10 million copies sold could be the ceiling, but I'd say uh, making the New York Times bestsellers list would be... uh, The the floor! Exactly. But I don't want this to just appeal to your stereotypical fantasy fans, grown-up male nerds and stuff. I want a diverse readership, like... uh, 13-year-old girls! Yeah, yeah. And who knows, if this book is a success, we may be able to sell Shadow Moon merchandise. Underwear! Well, sure. Hey, you know what sells. Uh, Can you show me any data from the Star Wars merchandise sales? Figures. Yeah, have your people send over some figures to me to pour over. Uh, Say, they make a lot of those toys in China, don't they? That that must be a headache. Uh, Tariffs, tariffs, tariffs. (laughs) Don't get me started. Seems like sometimes Congress loves tying things up with pointless regulations. Yeah, why use one when you can use dozens? (laughs) George, this may seem like an odd question, but uh, what's your favorite Four Non Blondes song? I have no idea. What's going on? Oh, me too. Hey, I think this is going to be the start of a beautiful friendship. Me too, Chris. Me too. So yeah, that's how the conversation actually went. Like if, if, if we were in the room with him, that's what we would have heard. Now let's take a listen to uh, what George Lucas was hearing uh, as he was responding to Chris Claremont. So... Um, I, th- I think you'll see that it, it goes a little differently. George Lucas, it's an honor to meet you. I'm really looking forward to letting down some fans. Hey, I've done it with movies and figured, why not a book? What did you say when the studio said, we need a charisma-free dope to play Anakin Skywalker? I know just the guy. Great. We need a thrilling sequence where Willow harnesses his shape-shifting abilities. What should Willow turn into? The floor. Genius, genius. You know, George, I've got a bit of a mean streak that I'm hoping to unleash. Really body shame some of our most vulnerable demographics like... uh, 13-year-old girls! You read my mind. And you know what would be really distressing to have two middle-aged men write about? A 13-year-old girl's... Underwear! 
Yes. But just in case that's not creepy enough, what about young girls? Figures. The pervs are going to love it. But just in case the book gets too exciting, any advice about how to bring down the energy really bore people? Tariffs, tariffs, tariffs. Hey, I've got a wild idea. What if I just spew incoherent prose in situations that don't even warrant it, get needlessly verbose, really bloat up the word count? Why use one when you can use dozens? Did you have a chance to read that outline I sent you with the parts about worms and healing mountains and night herons? I have no idea what's going on. One last thing. I want to make Kaya have a miscarriage. Me too, Chris. Me too. So, yeah, wow. that's... Uh, wow, wow. Still don't... The technology, there. I don't know how they got that. But Yeah, I think incredible. it's like a, a plug-in or something. Um, so, uh, that's what... Uh, it's an insight into into sort of how this book came to be. Sort of uh, a man's vision and another man who doesn't really play by the same rules as the rest of us. Yeah, well, we've all had that where, you know, you walk away from a conversation and realize later that person... They they had a completely different idea. Right. Yeah. They yeah. were either like picking up on different, you know, body language or something like that. So you can see it happening and, and frankly I think it, it impacted the book for the worse. I, I, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, so there we have it. That's uh just something to keep in mind as we go forward. Oh, going forward. Is yeah. that something we actually have to we have, do? Yeah, I think we do. I mean, you know, right. we're, we're past the home stretch. I'm sure there's like a heartbreak hill looming that's going to be the, uh, the the worst part yet. But uh, until we get there, we, we've got to keep trucking. Got to get to them fire drakes. <laughs> um, so this at this point in time, it says uh, that he, I think this is why he decides he can't let the demon's child die. This is based on his, uh, his memory here. So he... Um, he embraces the demon full-hearted and with all his strength, and in that dreadful moment, became the demon. I guess he wasn't the demon before, as he was ah. rending his soul and all that garbage. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> we get more of the... He's just back into it, fingers splayed and curled, and the power that burst from them was instantly cast as razor-edge claws. The veil tore with the puffed and soggy sound of rotted cloth, <laughs> and from it came a stench of unbelievable foulness. Uh, about half the book has been stenches, stenches of foulness and blood and shattered teeth and organs <laughs> melting like mercury and uh. to no consequence though everyone no. just sort of keeps on doing what they're doing uh so well I, he, uh, my I, my eyes glazed over at this point so you, yeah. you tell me what's happening Okay, well, so uh, the the uh, deceiver is up there, sort of. He says he's he's waiting at the altar for Alora, who's sort of marching down the aisle. He says he's like more of a bridegroom than a celebrant. He has no color to his aura, as if he's been bleached of every human aspect, and a disturbing hunger to his eyes. I don't know how that squares with the, uh, you know, he's literally uh, people's sexiest man alive that we got at the beginning of the chapter, but um, maybe that's just what Thorn and the demon can see. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's you, the difference between how Thorn uh, perceived people before and after he merged with the demon. I'm glad you asked. It says where Thorn the Nelwyn beheld men and women as recognizable shapes, regardless of species. Thorn the demon perceives them as skirling filigrees of energy. So that's uh, that's the difference. 
That was my note. It's like sometimes when I'm at church, that happens to me. I stop seeing them as men and women and see them as skirling filigrees of energy whose power and great and small, some wholly self-contained while others burst forth to tangle with those around them. <laughs> it's uh, like how, you know, you know, when you say a word over and over again, it starts to sound like gibberish. Sure, I think that's yeah. that's once you once you just keep you know seeing people over and over again, uh, you just start seeing them as skirling filigrees of energy. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. And then, so, oh, and then I just have another what in the name of God is happening here. Hands, not hands, slipped again, and Thorn hesitated, torn between two demands of equal weight, Allura's danger on the one hand, the demon child's on the others. The doors began to open. He knows as certainly as he knows anything that Allura is doomed if she steps inside the chamber. He knew as well that the demon's child was doomed if he didn't act at once to complete the spell of resurrection. Silence within the hall, a greater silence on the streets without as the entire populace seems to hold its collective breath. <laughs> so are the people who live there are aware of this the, choice of between saving the demon's child? Well, I think I think they're up there sort of like, you know, looking around and like you know, waving in front of their nose, being like, what is this stench emanating from the... <laughs> that's got to be coming from somewhere. <laughs> wasn't me. I... Wow, what what did we serve at that banquet? My God. (laughs) But he says uh, it was no choice, really. He decides he's going to bring the demons spawn back to life. I don't know how he knows that uh, it's sort of one or the other. I don't know why it's no choice, really. I guess that's a flashback to why they told the whole miscarriage story. But uh, he decides he's going to bring the demon back to life. And so he does. He he brings her back to life. Um, At that same moment, a guard comes down with a death dog. Mm-hmm. And a demon girl sort of like, you know, launches uh, into demon mode and and, and um, absorbs him. But then there's another guard. This was a good this was a good thing. I really wanted some backstory about this. Thorin is going to stab the guard. Um, it says by rights, the blade should have glanced off with no damage done. But Thorn did his own forging. He'd spent the best part of a year underground apprentice to the mountain folk. A branch of the Nelwyn tree that worked metals instead of soil, learning to do it properly. He spent a year apprenticing with the mountain folk, and we did not get uh, 50 pages devoted to that. This guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I he, guess you save stuff for the prequels, but like, man. That would be like, uh, I mean, this is a fact you probably don't know about me, but for a year, I was a manager of those check cashing places that you, you know, that are near... Uh, uh, you know, where you give plasma and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, yeah, you know, the, bad, the, behind, the bad part of town, next to the card parlor and stuff. I'll, I'll sometimes reference that, and people will go, what? You worked <laughs> it as a manager? Of, <laughs> uh, that's that's something you want to hear. How in the hell did that come about? You know, I want, you apprenticed under the mountain with the mountain folk? Yeah, for a year? I, yeah. I thought I knew you. <laughs> what is right. going on? Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, when you when you come over and you're like, oh, yeah, these are the uh, coffee beans I roasted myself. People are like, you roast your own coffee beans? I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. I just have been doing right. it for a while. Yeah, I, I do, I've been doing a little of my own forging lately. I feel like, uh, you know, the mass market blades are just, uh, they don't have the same level of care put into them. They don't, they don't hold an edge. So, um, yeah, doing some smithing. Yeah, I was a, uh, that was the year I was a sportscaster on the CBS. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nothing. Get past yeah, it. It's, right. not, it's not important. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, they are, they stab the guy. They sort of absorb him into the darkness. There's another guy who's about to kill them. Um, but they, uh, Garen appears and chops the guy's head off. 
with his, uh, I, I presume, also self-forged blade. Like, Willow probably got him into it, you know? Um, Garen you know. says this puzzling thing, but maybe I'm just, again, glazing over it. They're killing the lions. Mm-hmm. Garen said hoarsely tripping over his own feet as he made his way down the stairs. Yeah. What, is, what does that mean? I think like the lion guard is who was, you know, they're like the they're like the police, I guess. There was something about the lion guard uh, in like earlier, just sort of a tossed off mention. Okay. And then unattributed lines come one after the other. Cut yeah. them down like butchers, them and their damn birds, the herons, drum heller, what's happening? Nothing good, I fear. Uh, none <laughs> left of ours to try. Only reason I'm alive is... Uh, anyway... Could have been worse, Pathfinder. Are you hurt, bumped, and bruised? I, I just don't know what's going on. They're unattributed. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, especially because there's now. I mean, you know, there's there's bold text. There's there's italics text, but there's none, nothing to indicate here whether they're talking to the demon child, whether she warrants bold, whether she can talk. I'm not sure. I just like that he's describing uh, night herons, you know, pecking at souls, people being cut down by butchers, and feels the need to add, and it it's nothing good happening up there. <laughs> 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 uh here's another puzzling moment garen sees the the demon's child right and says blessed alora he squeaked she's got no clothes huh is that just a like a holy cow oh yeah i guess it must be unless she well, looks why would like he use that blessed yeah, alora pretty... especially because we were confused about whether the demon's child was alora or not like yeah. that was a legitimate point of confusion <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so fast-paced, I can't keep up. <laughs> well, here's a uh, here's a, here's another question I have for you. Uh, Garen says, uh, you know, hey, the only reason I'm still alive is that I followed these gobshite yabos into the old keep. So I was wondering if uh, <laughs> if 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 your fundraiser for Star Wars hits the uh, hits the five thousand dollar level, is is gobshite yabos the character you're going to dress as from Star Wars? <laughs> it's certainly on the table. Um, <laughs> I hope there's a uh, a four paragraph description of the clothing so I can really nail it when I do. Right, it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and we get two more names. We get uh, Garen sort of comes up and uh, addresses the demon's daughter. Um, she says her name is Corey Banifin. Garen Havelhand. A pleasure. <laughs> so we <laughs> just get, you, you get the sense that uh, they were just trying to one up each other with the stupidest names imaginable. Yeah, that is incredibly stupid. And someone, I think, uh, uh, listener Janelle pointed out that uh, it's very close to uh, Corey Banoffi. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah! Wow, so she's named after a revolting pie. <laughs> um, I think I stopped reading at this point. <laughs> I honestly think I did. I'm looking at. I'm like, I don't recognize this at all. <laughs> you went to do a fugue state? <laughs> I think so. I think you're on your own. Uh, well, they uh, he says that he wants to escape. Um, the demon says, you know, my powers are are limited. Um, I can't do like, you know, I, I'm able to do anything until I can't do anything more. And, uh, so in order to, um, make his escape, I don't know why he can't just escape with, with Garen and all those other people, because Garen seemed to get down there pretty easily. But, uh, Will, Willow has to start pondering the stones. Ah. So he starts sort of like, just like staring at the stones and really getting in deep with them. Uh, this is this is something that struck me as it would be kind of boring, but evidently he makes enough of a connection with them that he starts weeping <laughs> as he's looking at the stones. It reminded me of uh, when uh, Mark Wahlberg in The Happening uh, tries to apologize to a plant. 
Oh, yeah. you remember that? There's <laughs> yeah, like, like a there's like a great actor's monologue as he apologizes to a plant that turns out to be rubber. <laughs> but uh, he says uh, he reached out to the stones, presenting himself to them as supplicant, requesting safe passage, promising to do them no harm, and asking the same of them in return. It was a tedious exchange, you don't say, for the stones were by nature deliberate and made all the more so by centuries of comparative dormancy. So again, the uh, person who says too fast paced was, uh, I guess, just uh, left, uh, you know, flushed and breathless by this tedious exchange, uh, waking the stones up for the first time in several centuries. Wasn't he, having been the floor, able to... uh... Bond with them? Speak pretty, uh, you know, he probably picked up a few of their words when he uh, yeah, was like the floor. Yeah, like my, my, my cousin who uh, volunteered in, in Turkmenistan. I'm sure if, if, if she meets a, uh, you know, a, a Turkmenistan resident, they, she can bond with them over that uh, shared experience, even though it's been a while. I'm sure he could be like, yeah, I was floor. Oh, well, you were a floor? Oh, what kind of floor? Stone floor. Oh, wow, me too. Uh, yeah, hop on in. Stop weeping and hop on in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what is the to what end to become the the stones or talk to the, have the tedious discussion with the stones? Well, uh, it, it 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 I was going to say pays off, but it at the end of the chapter, this is how he emerges out of nowhere to confront the uh, the uh, deceiver. Uh, he, so essentially, he is just using a warp pipe um, by any given stone. He can merge with the stone. And just uh, emerge out uh, anywhere else that there's stones. Oh, okay. Well, that'll come in handy. <laughs> you would imagine. Uh, hopefully it goes well and they, they allow him to continue doing it. He doesn't uh, offend them, I guess, by... Uh, I don't know how you offend a stone. <laughs> but do you think at this point, is he kind of... There's a redundancy of powers. I feel like somewhere along yeah. one of his 38,000 powers that have been described, there might have already been a, you know... A zoom over here spell or something like yeah. right some fast travel Ma- uh, you materialize know. and dematerialize you know yeah it took everything all... within him to do it but he was able you know right exactly yeah that it would was, leave him very tired he and, was uh, weary <laughs> uh yeah it's all you know he can do anything until he can't but then he usually can so <laughs> okay so he uh, materializes and confronts a uh, big guy well, right before before he does that, Alora has a bad feeling about all this um, because I guess everyone everyone is sort of just uh, smitten by Hot Willow, uh, but she's saying he appears taller than she remembers. Yeah, but then so is she. The smile welcoming her is all it should be, and when his arms open wide to receive her, she remembers how warm and safe she always felt in his embrace. But she was, you know, we saw the movie. She was six months old, right? Oh, he like, wait. This is Alora. Yeah, that's Alora thinking that about the uh, the deceiver. The... Yeah, but she was a, she was a, a baby, baby. Yeah, baby. so I, I don't know what exactly she's remembering, but I guess she's magic, so she can have memories about that. But she says uh, she doesn't like him dressed up. Comfortable homespun suits him better. Plain attire for a plain soul. So we're we're back to we're back to the uh, to the appearance critiquing here. Um, she also sees a she sees the dragon. Uh, a boy or possibly a girl she can't really tell in the audience and she re- realizes that he is a shaper um and uh, by all the blessed a dragon so there the that's the confirmation that there is a uh, androgynous dragon boy or girl in the audience a shaper is that uh would the shapers and the lunars do they get along <laughs> yes yeah oh boy i mean you build a uh 
you build a, a dragon out of balloons, you're going to have the shapers and lunars tugging over it. Um, <laughs> Shaper is a uh, is capitalized though. Okay, I noticed uh, one of my last notes before completely throwing in the towel was that the demon asked Drumheller, "Feel the moon glow, Drumheller," and it was not yeah. camel cabs. Huh. So moon glow, <laughs> some sort of weird power, but not does not get respect at least yeah, from the, the demon. The moon starts playing a sort of a prominent role here. I guess there's moonlight, uh, you know, radiating into it or capturing it. There's some torches of moonlight, maybe. Um, this this was a section that reminded me of a, a very a favorite line from something we've done at Rift Tracks. Um, we, we, so we've, we've already had a conversation with stone. Now we get, uh, the woman pondering about light, Alora. She never thought much about light in truth, <laughs> in truth. And this realization brings a sudden sour taste to her mouth. The bitterness of opportunities lost. She has never thought much about anything. So I had never thought much about light reminded me of in setting up the room. Uh, one of the teachers said, I hadn't noticed this pegboard <laughs> and it was deemed like the most boring <laughs> sentence someone has ever uttered. But, uh, <laughs> I never I, pondered light. <laughs> I thought it sounded a little possible start to an Andy Rooney routine. <laughs> never thought about light. <laughs> then I dug into my desk drawer and found this flashlight. Right. And that's why you should always recharge your batteries. <laughs> shocked that the andy rooney game never caught on 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 youtube oh man it was a great yeah google that i hope it's still up there but it was a uh it was a, one of one of the few pure things the internet's ever given us and i think the last time i looked it was like four thousand views or something it's just for those wondering what the heck i'm talking about someone just edited the first line of an andy rooney bit and the last one together and they they are splendid in yeah, how, how it gets Cohen's. from one place to another <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, uh, she, she sort of realizes that something is amiss. She blurts out no, as he's trying to, uh, do his, uh, evil chance, I guess the deceiver. Um, and so, uh, the deceiver slaps her in front of everybody. Um, so there's, everyone's getting slapped. No word on whether she bit her cheek or broke any teeth. Um, then she burns her hands on the moon fire and then jumps through the moon fire to knock the, uh, deceiver down. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> that provokes this reaction, selfish, headstrong, bloody little cow, her God, <laughs> her Godfather and protector squalls again in that voice that isn't what she remembers from him yet. That sounds eerily familiar. Nonetheless, you'll ruin everything. Um, so that's, you know, this is actually closer to the thorn. We, uh, we all know, uh, but cow, um, yeah, afraid. I guess that's, that's, yeah. He's mixing his metaphors. Yes. Not uh, not a room. She's a cloven-hoofed uh, animal. Not... <laughs> not a ruminant. Not a ruminant. Yeah. Um, and then someone pointed out in an email that uh, they, she, we didn't understand why she, she didn't recognize the guy who had been in a, a food fight with her just a couple hours ago. Right. Um, I, he was wearing some sort of cloak uh, during that, but I no, no one really is under, un- understands why. Um, that didn't work because you know you'd figure the deceiver would his magic would be uh, just as powerful as whatever that that minor glamour uh, Willow's cloak was. It was I a, don't know. a passive, a passive glamour. Oh right, it was a passive charm, maybe so passive they charm. What they wanted to, so I guess she just saw a uh, another another help. You know, I remember the help that she already hated, so she didn't recognize her. Beloved Godfather, who's now slapping her and calling her a cow to everyone else's uh, <laughs> everyone else's eyes. 
Uh, all right. And uh, since I don't know what happens, what what's how does it end? Uh, the uh, he pops up from the stones. Um, it says, "Why she's sobbing? Please." Uh, for a world that must never be, is the deceiver's reply. The sacrifice of one for the salvation of all. You heard Alora Dannon, deceiver, says a new voice, seemingly from nowhere. Leave her alone. So that's Thorn. But I, you know, I guess the deceiver was like, uh, am I the deceiver? I mean, you just made up that nickname down in the dungeon. Right. <laughs> uh, and you're, you're, you're trying to make it a thing. <laughs> and then uh, to Alora, Thorn seemed to pop up from solid stone. Events moved with such speed there. Simply wasn't time for her to notice the black blotch that blossomed against the silver-suffused floor. Um, So he is uh, emerging from the floor, having previously been the floor. And then he throws the deceiver into the moon fire. So that's played a major role in this this final couple pages. And it says, uh, after he's he's tossed him into the fire, sort of like uh, the Hansel and Gretel witch, uh, it says, the column of fire was gone. And with it all semblance of Willow Ufgood's humanity, the face and the form had not changed, at least in basic shape, but flame had taken the place of flesh and Thorn thought, to both horror and fascination, that he'd come face to face with yet another demon. And now, the deceiver told him, with a smile that was terrible to behold, for all the torments it promised, you'll pay the price. And so, so that's how our, our cliffhanger ends. Why would he be in horror that he'd come face to face with yet another demon? Things went pretty well with the last one, right? Yeah, they worked out okay. He, he saved a demon's daughter. I mean, sir, his sh- his soul was torn into shreds, but that doesn't seem to have much of an impact on him going forward. Uh, I mean, he yeah, he makes deals like that all the time. Like, if, you know, if we do this deal, your body will be crushed down to its atom form. Your uh, intestines will melt. Um, your brain will be like a pool of mercury draining down a a swampy, revolting sink in a greasy basement. Like, done it, done it many times, like, not yeah, going to yeah. be a problem. Give me the uh, give me the Groupon. I'm fine. I've, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I want that discounted oil change. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wow, okay. So he's, he's face-to-face with, with the uh, deceiver is unmasked. Yeah, uh, you know, and it seems like, you know, this maybe didn't need to happen halfway through the book. This could have set some events in motion if it had happened uh, 200 pages ago. But... Uh, yeah, there's a a, a shape shifting willow, uh, probably another shaper, um, who has been unmasked as a some sort of demon. Willow has confronted him. Uh, there's a dragon in the audience as uh, disguised as an androgynous child. Um, sure, sure. The uh, figureless girl is wearing a sexy corset, and uh, Willow's wife had a miscarriage. So, <laughs> hey, we've <laughs> all been to a, a wedding like that, right? You know, <laughs> Yo. that oh, distant man. cousin. You know, there's a dragon in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. Just don't uh, seat me at their table for the reception is all I yeah. ask. <laughs> give me a, give me the good table. Give me the one in the corner where everyone's, you know, already having fun before things have started. We don't need to be a, the one where you don't even have to pretend you're listening to the toasts. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we got through it. I mean, you got through it. <laughs> I almost got through it. Uh, well, yeah, there was a, you, the, all you missed was the, the faint uh, hinting of a plot. So I guess we'll we'll see what happens. I, I'm just disappointed we're not actually going to meet the uh, thick Wern mother because that would have been uh, that would have been <laughs> something to look forward to. Ah, uh, well, um, uh, I don't know if we have any uh, more women coming up. That, uh, but the uh, so far that track record is not good. <laughs> The way he Pigs, described. cows getting slapped. Yeah. 
doesn't have breasts yet to speak of. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, that's probably addressed in some of our uh, listener emails. So we can read through some of those if we'd like to. We go to the party. We go to the game. We go to the dinner. Ain't cruise out, man. All right, what do we got? Oh, we got a lot of emails from people. Uh, a lot of them are our Patreon supporters. Uh, Patreon.com slash 372 pages. You can get in on all this stuff early. You can uh, read about uh, tech war cards. You can uh, see Mike's frustrations as he reads the book and help him parse out the uh, details, which we still probably won't understand. It's a lot of fun. We're nearing 500 supporters, which is incredible. Woohoo! And, uh, yeah, so we appreciate all those people on there. You get access to our Discord, where people are uh, hanging out and doing crazy stuff. And, uh, yeah, I guess the first email I should mention is the uh, uh, drawing of uh, the inflatable rig cow by Lucas Antoniak, done in the style of Baby Yoda. <laughs> which, you know, again, imagine that sentence a year ago. Oh, I loved that so much. <laughs> so proud to have, in some small way, been a part of it. <laughs> um, and so that was a, a a delight. We posted that on all our accounts, so check that out. And uh, we should also mention your your Star Wars viewing is going to happen. You hit that. Yes, um, we did. You hit that threshold. There's still an opportunity to go with you if you kick in some money. And I think they were, last I checked, like relatively close to the uh, going in costume. Yeah, I was just happy we had reached the, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, happy. Mixed, it's mixed happiness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we'd reached the, yeah, we're going, we're going to see this. We got the, the date picked out and everything. And uh, and, and then all of a sudden uh, it started to go a little north where, from, from there. So I'm a little scared, but uh, but happy, obviously. Sure. Well, I mean, so so Baby Yoda, the inflatable. I saw uh, uh, Dave Berge posted on our, on our Facebook group about that, and he posted a... Uh, it was sort of an inflatable uh, job of the hut costume. It was like a, you know, a, I mean, it wasn't like the cow, but he just posted that being like, this this could be one he could wear. And uh, a guy posted one of my favorite comments, one of my favorite sentences, and he goes, Pastor, you had us at inflatable. <laughs> I, I just always enjoy it when, when other people wade into this uh, little world we've created. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, check that out. It's, I think the links on our, all our accounts will post it again. Make Mike go see Star Wars. Not getting the best reviews. So it's delightful that this is the one you're going to have to go see in the theater, the one that is uh, regarded as the bad one. And the, uh, the thing that delighted me is I'm always sort of baffled by the the plots and the council meetings and the, who's that now? You know, I really mm-hmm. am an old grandpa trying to watch something. And this one is supposed to be the most confusing smash cutting from one thing to the other that has ever been done <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Just keep saying, is that Watto? How about that guy? <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so let's get to our emails uh, again. Thanks to all the Patreon supporters. This first one is from Mike. He just says, incidentally, the Shadow books just get longer and longer. Uh, I guess Shadow Dawn crushes your soul at 528 pages, and God. Shadow Star grinds it to a paste at 544. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't even imagine um, what what those must be like let alone rereading the trilogy multiple times. Oh. This, this one comes from uh, Michael R. Nelson. He said hmm. he wanted to drop a quick note that I hate this book with the hot, fiery passion of Bob Honey, of a Bob Honey <laughs> mass book burning. 
There was nothing redeeming in this book whatsoever. To paraphrase Billy Madison, itself a masterpiece in comparison. This book is the stupidest I've ever read and has no point. I am dumber for having read it. It is the worst of the worst. It is not even a fun hate hate read. The only thing that has kept me going is listening to Mike groan like Norman Krasner each time he gets his next reading assignments. That and donating to the Light Trees Walking fundraiser, so now Mike has to go see Star Wars in the theater. I feel it is fitting punishment for choosing this book. Yeah, me too. He uh, says, okay. he says sincerely, Michael R. Nelson, P.S., that is my real name, and I used to get Mike Nelson jokes thrown my way back in my senior year in high school when Mike uh, took over hosting MST3K. Oh, wow. Cool. Interesting. <laughs> uh, this one is from Alex. He says, have you ever considered revisiting Tech War with one of the other many novels in the series? And more to the point, does the idea seem to be a lot more appealing in light of Shadow Moon? Well, of there, course it does. Yes, yes. Yes. A thousand times yes. A brisk read, things happening, delightful, stupid characters, hair bouncing. Yeah. Um, he- <laughs> I mean, th- doesn't that just the mention of that? It's like someone, uh, you know, opened a window and fresh air came in. It's just... Yeah. Uh, the curtains uh, dancing in the breeze. Uh, like, oh yes, tech war. <laughs> it's like in Vietnam movies where it, you know they're he's showing a picture. He's like, "That's my best gal," and when we get out of here, we're gonna you know buy that house by the beach we've always yeah. talked about. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're doomed, but like you can still fantasize about what it could be like to right. revisit a, an idealized past. Um, uh, this, uh, this one's from Josh. He says, uh, Hey guys, after listening to the last episode of 372, my wife and I decided to watch some Christmas movies. One of our favorites is white Christmas, which of course stars the legendary Bing Crosby <laughs> while enjoying one of the many dance numbers. I mentioned to my wife, the hope and Crosby incident from the recent podcast. Some cl- very clever person, uh, made a uh, photoshopped a, uh, Microsoft Bing search page for that. Um, and posted that on Twitter. A Bing and Crosby, I think, is what I said. Well, you you were envisioning a world where there was a, a willow and there was thorn, and it's a, a Bing and a Crosby. And they're, <laughs> one's yeah. a deceiver. <laughs> he does a fake <laughs> comedy team. <laughs> we're on the road to Pittsburgh was their movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says, uh, I, I told her I'm a huge Bing fan, but he had never thought to look up the real name. So he looked it up on Wikipedia and much to my surprise, Harry Littlest Crosby Jr. got the nickname Bing in a way that would make a goofy grin spread across Mike Nelson's face. He, this is an interview. He says, well, I'll tell you, back in the knee britches day, when I was a... <laughs> See, it's, it's so old-timey. Yes. When I was a wee little tyke, a mere broth of a lad, as we say in Spokane. All, this is off the rails already. I used to totter around the streets with a gun on each hip. My favorite after-school pastime was a game known as Cops and Robbers. We know we know Cops and Robbers. I didn't care which side I was on. When a cop or a robber came into view, I would haul out my trus- trusty six-shooter made of wood and loudly exclaim, Bing, Bing, as my luckless victim fell clutching his side. I would shout, Bing, Bing, and let him have it again. And then as his friends came to his rescue, shooting as they came, I would shout, Bing, 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 Bing. Wait a minute. Is this who is sending this in? This was Josh. And so I had the Josh, exact same. Is that fanfic? Did you... I had the exact same reaction to you. I wrote back, Is this true? Uh, he wrote back, uh, he says, the next paragraph uh, says, That story was pure whimsy for dramatic effect. The truth is that a neighbor, Valentine Hobart, also sounds very fake, named him Bingo from Bingville after a comic feature in the local paper called The Bingville Bugle which the young Harry liked. In time, bingo got shortened to bing. They both sound very fake. Um, so if you have your own story about how Bing Crosby got his nickname, let us know. 
Uh, it's it's almost as good as the story of how uh, how Louis Armstrong got Satchmo. I don't know that. Do you one. know that? <laughs> no. Uh, because his mouth looked like a satchel. So, of course, <laughs> Satchmo. <laughs> I, I, that is the most puzzling when I heard that. I was like, wait, who looks at his mouth and thinks? That yeah, right. I mean, like other than the 13-year-old girl in this book. I, yes. Many body parts that resemble satchels. <laughs> Uh, this was from Kyle. Kyle's a Patreon supporter. He related us this uh, anecdote uh, based on my referencing of the men's warehouse last week. He says, some years ago, as I and mil- some military colleagues were preparing for assignments, which would have us in civilian business attire daily, the Army brought in a men's warehouse regional manager to brief us and our spouses on how to dress for success. After the meeting ended, I approached the man to ask a few follow-up questions. I asked some things about ties and shoes or whatever, but they were just really setups for my final question. One last question I asked the man, if I purchase suits from your store, am I going to like the way I look? He immediately blossomed red and a huge smile split his face. His hand shot out to the side for a sweeping handshake and he pulled me in for a hug, gleefully exclaiming, I guarantee it. He sh- <laughs> The shocked look of disgust my wife gave me as we walked out made it all worthwhile. Oh, so, <laughs> men's warehouse regional managers love quoting the uh, the corporate slogan of their founder. Nothing makes them happier. That's... <laughs> I uh, I just had uh, my own men's warehouse experience. I was uh, in a wedding. I was a best man in a wedding, and so had to had to do the thing, you know, the tux. Mm-hmm. And I went into a men's warehouse at I think it was eleven a.m. Assuming that. Of course, they would be, you know, busily fitting people for suits. Sure. And and the door was uh, locked shut. And I, <laughs> I went, what the? And then I looked at the thing. It was like open at 11, which I thought was late. I mean, this is <laughs> yeah, in a, no. a, a busy mall area. And then the door opened and it was, um, you know, the character from The Simpsons, the uh, the sweaty salesman guy. Uh, oh, old Gil? Gil. Basically, he's like, nobody's in yet. My staff is coming in in a minute. I I don't know what's going on. I was like, these people, you can't, the young people today, well, come on in. And it was just this, oh, it was the most awful thing. So I went to get, then it came in and the fitting came and there was a young guy there. And the two guys were sitting like uh, office space, quiet, just in in misery at this empty (laughs) men's warehouse. And the one guy, I'm trying on the vest so I can hear it from the other room. He goes... So, uh, how was your wedding? <laughs> and the kid goes, uh, it was, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Good. Oh, good. Wow. And that was the end of the discussion. <laughs> Society requires that I ask this of you, but please know I do not care. And I am, you know, I'm at the same time bitter and happy I was not invited. The other bit of uh, color for this story is that on the, the young guy's desk were, um, uh, about six to ten uh, knives, those, uh, you know, box knives, just in a pile. <laughs> and this was the customer. This is not like I'm in a back room. This is the customer desk. Wow. It's like, is it, you know, take a knife, leave a knife? What is this? <laughs> anyway, the saddest experience I've ever had in a men's yeah. warehouse. I mean, you know, when, when I worked at Blockbuster uh, 18, at 18, they were like, you know, and you could rent all the movies you want. So that was, you know, a real perk. I wonder if they're like, yeah, and, you know, you can rent tuxedos are free for employees. So, you know. You know, maybe yeah. once uh, if it <laughs> coincides with your uh, uh, assuredly brief employment here. Maybe you, uh, yeah, you get invited to a party, and as a as a gag, you wear one, and then 
30 minutes in, you deeply regret having tried to pull <laughs> off this joke. Right. Um, but I, yeah, you should have gone to the one where the guy seemed to love his job and heartily embrace his, uh, his customers. This, yeah, this was the opposite of that. <laughs> uh, this one is from Shane, a Patreon supporter. He is, he is coming up with more names. He says, the best combined name I've come up with for the authors is Claire Mucus. <laughs> Please use it with asperity. (laughs) That's a good one. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, And then the final email is from Theodore. A good chunk of chapter eight is written in the present tense and in italics. So the scene can be told from Floor Willow's perspective with his magic demon see the whole castle vision. But since Thor Floor's magic demon see the whole castle vision is a functionally identical to an omniscient narrator's perspective, there was absolutely no reason to do this. <laughs> Which I was like, I, yeah, that is true. I've sort of slipped mine, but uh, yeah, that's a most books are okay. Just having a, an, an omniscient narrator telling you things. You don't need to become a floor in order to get the uh, get those insights. Yep, you never read a book and go, how did he get into that other room? This narrator, <laughs> right? Well. So those are our emails, and we have some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence... Bring it on. Sometimes sentences are italicized. Sometimes sentences are bold. But if you're reading Shadow Moon, they're certainly going to be very dumb. Here are the dumb sentences of the week. This first one is from Tim. It says, uh, you gave your word meat. Be true to it. And that's from the demon. He says, that might not be so funny normally, but the fact that it is in bold cracked me up. Meat is also another, uh, the demon sort of tries to get that going, but it doesn't really seem to stick, just like a deceiver. Uh, just like a, a mad dog for me. It only yes. exists. In, <laughs> right. It's not widespread. It's, you go back down very... to the dungeon, you're going to get a norm-like reception. Meat! <laughs> and I, you know, I, I'm not putting that past him going back there. Uh, this next one is from Brad. He wanted to hurry. That same awareness lashing him as an eagle carter would a tardy mare. <laughs> oh, uh, <God. laughs> uh, Sorry, another Norman groan there. I do it involuntarily. Right. Oh, yeah. This one is from Heather. Shard by shard, he found himself. She just asked, why is this book happening to me? <laughs> I, that's referring to his the shards of his soul, of course. Yep. Uh, this one is from Mike. Nothing of him was anchored anymore. He felt his organs slide within him as his own flesh sloughed off his bones, and then the bones themselves began to putrefy. His take on that was, yes, George, I've seen the end of Indiana Jones movies. Do something else. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in those movies, at least, that character's portrayed as, you know, suffering and then dead. So it does have some sort of consequence. Yeah, they don't, uh, they don't get their faces ground into powder, and then they're just, you know, turning into a stone the next minute. <laughs> this is from uh, Blake. It's uh, I think it's referring to uh, Anna Karenina, Anna Carey, Anna Carey's dad. He is a throwback to a harder age, which is fortunate because these are bloody times. He's like, so he's a throwback to a time which is, well, kind of like now, I guess. And it's only <laughs> 12 years ago that all this happened, so it's not even that big of a throwback. <sighs> he says, it's a good thing I don't have a wine and sip class or you'd be getting calls from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. This is from Patrick. Uh, this is a good one. Little spasmoid trembles skibbled the length and breadth of him, and he wanted more than anything was to let go and walk away. I hate it when spasmoid trembles skibble the length of me. Oh, yeah. What is the scattershot something? Remember the one that I read? Oh, uh, yeah. Starside or Insight Scattershots or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, that might come up in a dumb sentence. We'll see. We, did, we didn't even mention, he's, he's mentioned it, I think, three times, all one word, star stuff. Oh, really? Star, I missed Star that stuff one. is what, what she paints his face with to a bond with him. 
But, oh, um, uh, oh yeah, he says, Skibbled? Try to look up a dictionary definition. Just try. The one made-up world word in this whole fantasy novel besides dumb names, and it is Skibbled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Janelle submitted, I think this is one he was doing, the magic CPR. He panted. So did she. <laughs> good, good, uh, good, good world building here. We're just uh, all sitting around, touching breast and panting. That was uh, the Mister, I think. It was... <laughs> he panted, pink panties. Um, uh, so for me, I had that one about being immersed in the ocean. I had little spasmoid trembles, skibbling, and I had one more. What would it be? Nope, those are my two. I had spasmoid strem- spasmoid trembles, and then I had. Uh, him swimming that one long one I read at the beginning of the book uh, as if a fish demarked uh, throwing off swirls and eddies, etc. Uh, mine, uh, you know, again, it's uh, just stupid. Not uh, you know, you don't get the big belly laughs with these. They're, they're sure. just weird things. Well, belly on laughs one... skimble down the way of your trembling yes. or something. Yes. On one plane, darkness is simply the absence of light, but as a color, black is the sum total of all the rest. The more that are combined, the darker they get. <laughs> Got that? I, I, I do. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's vaguely, I guess, the sense of how color, color theory works, but... Um, ah, just give me more clothing me. descriptions. No, <laughs> those I can dig into. How fat is that kid? Come on, more of that. <laughs> right. Please, please. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, how fat is that kid, everybody? That's where we'll uh, we'll leave you with. I don't know if we'll be doing any more of these before the uh, holiday or the new year or what, but uh, I think Please, for next no. time, yeah, exactly. We need some recharging time. We need some some uh, some strong wassail to uh, to gird our spirits for the uh, uh, new year of Shadow Moon in 2020. Yep, I'm gonna. Uh plaster my fur lacquer my fur down and head out for christmas and not think of this until uh, until after yeah i think that's a very good idea if you do want to read it though uh, i think we're going to read uh through chapter 10 that'll take us to page uh, 304 that's the same same amount of pages we did last time withheld the groan how do you like that that's self-control <laughs> in what sense uh, not groaning at the page count that i have to have oh to- withheld the groan i thought you said i thought it was some like weird withheld a groan Oh, that's, yeah, that's a character coming up with Heldegrown. <laughs> that's who you're going to dress as. Well, enjoy Star Wars, Mike. I think we can all wish you a happy uh, happy Star Wars viewing, so we'll hear about that the next time we get together. Right, yeah, thank you very much. And who knows, I might have, uh, you know, pics of me uh, with, with the suit on. We'll see. Yeah, uh, you, uh, you might be the, uh, the voice of dissent for this one. You could be the, the guy uh, raging against all the critics that uh, have, have dissed it so far. Oh, I'm going to have so many hot takes on it. You're, <laughs> you're going to be burned by these takes. Yeah. All right. Well, it's we the await the Star hot Wars takes. ever. <laughs> and uh, thank you all of us for uh, joining us and for supporting the podcast. Uh, have a happy new year and, you know, everything else.